Okay. <coughs> uh, we are uh, just going to be wrapping up the book of Genesis today. So if you want to take out your Bible, the first book of the Bible is Genesis. And actually, we're going to be looking at a whole bunch of passages in the last 10 chapters or so. But if you want, you can turn to chapter 45, because that'll be the first place that I refer to. Chapter 45 of Genesis. Um, You guys know about these all-inclusive resorts? I won't ask for a show of hands who's been. I, I have not been, but I've heard some of your stories. And it sounds really nice. Uh, from what I hear, like lobster for breakfast and, and king crab for lunch and prime rib for dinner, does this sound familiar to those of you who've been? Right? And then you like schedule a massage in the morning and like you go snorkeling in the afternoon and parasailing at sunset. At least this is what I imagine, right? It's all you can eat. It's all you can drink. All inclusive. Like I imagine even like the little umbrella drinks. Um, wherever you go. I was thinking about all-inclusives because uh, at the end of the book of Genesis, uh, Joseph's brothers, so you remember these are the brothers who sold him into slavery. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, These brothers uh, are offered by the Egyptian pharaoh himself what is basically the ancient world equivalent of an all-inclusive. So a little background, Uh, the brothers had come to Egypt in chapter 42, and they had come desperate. So there was this epic famine all across the Middle East. People were dying, people were starving, and Egypt was the only place you could go get food. And so these brothers, like their family was like starving, it was really bad. So they go to Egypt and they throw themselves at the mercy of this guy who's in charge of the Egyptian food program. It's like top Egyptian official, and guess who he turned out to be? It's their brother, the one that they thought they had sold into slavery. He's not a slave anymore, and he's not in prison anymore, like we talked about last week. He has miraculously ascended to be basically Pharaoh's right-hand man. And when the Pharaoh of Egypt hears that his buddy Joseph's brothers have arrived, he is delighted. And he makes them this incredible offer. It's in chapter 45, beginning with verse 6. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and return to the land of Canaan. And then bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. And you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, do this. Take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives. And get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings. Because the best of all of Egypt will be yours. This is the word of the Lord. You know, when when Joseph's brothers had set out for Egypt, this is not how they expected things would go. 
Uh, if you know the story, you know that when they set out for Egypt, uh, they were braced for the worst. They had actually gone to Egypt once earlier, and it had really gone sideways on them. Um, and so they were not looking forward to going back, but they only came back because they were that desperate. They were that desperately hungry. And so they just came hoping that maybe they could get a little bit more food. But instead, the, the pharaoh of Egypt is offering them whatever you want. The fat of the land, Pharaoh says, it's yours. Now remember, the entire known world is in the middle of a famine when he makes this offer. I mean, people are literally starving all across the Middle East, and yet Egypt and Pharaoh and Joseph have really the audacity to promise the ancient equivalent of dinners on the beach and snorkeling at sunset. Right, so you got the picture here? In the middle of a world of suffering and hunger, Egypt is offering the promise of abundance to these brothers. And these guys eat it up. The brothers settle in the land. They spread out their flocks. They live large. All of them except for one. So one member of the family wasn't so sure. It was their father. It was Jacob. So Jacob never embraced Egypt, really like his sons did. He, he does go down to Egypt, but on his way in chapter 46... Jacob stops. It's kind of a strange moment uh, because the Bible has said a number of times already that Jacob was very eager to see his son Joseph. You might remember Joseph is his favorite son. He had spent the last 13 years thinking that Joseph was dead. Okay? He is obviously very eager to see his son Joseph. But the Bible says that, that Jacob did not go to Egypt as fast as he could. Instead, the Bible says that Jacob stops. He's in a town called Beersheba. And it is the last stop in Canaan, which is the place where they lived, before basically crossing the border into Egypt. Okay? So Jacob hesitates, and God has to give him this little pep talk. And this is chapter 46, verse 1. So Israel, Israel's another name for Jacob. So Israel set out with all that was his. And when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob. He replied, here I am. God said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again, and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. And you've got to pay attention to this speech. This is an important speech. Because you see, Jacob had stopped in Beersheba for a reason. 
If you know the earlier part of the book of Genesis, you know that God had promised Jacob's extended family uh, three particular things. First, God had promised that he would be their God, okay? which has been true. God, God has stuck with this family through a few, frankly, crazy generations. Okay? Second, God promised that he would make them into a nation, which is also coming true, right? They got 12 sons, big families coming up. But there was a third promise. It's a promise that I think is often forgotten in the book of Genesis, but it's this. God promised this family that they would live in their own land. Okay? Specifically, the land of Canaan. Okay? The land that they are now leaving. This is the land that the Bible calls the promised land. And God had been very clear that it was not just like any old land that he was promising. It was not the promised land of Egypt. It was the promised land of Canaan. So again, where does Jacob hesitate? Right on the border. Jacob knows that just past Beersheba is Egypt. And whatever else Egypt might have going for it, Jacob knows that Egypt is not where his family is supposed to be. You know, I find it so interesting that of all people, Jacob is the one who stops here. Because you might remember from some earlier stories about Jacob's life, Jacob really likes stuff. Like flocks and herds and money. Like, he's a wealthy guy and he likes his wealth. Like, he has spent basically his whole life seeking exactly what Egypt is promising. The fat of the land. Like, that has been Jacob's passion. The fat of the land. He likes nice things. And Egypt has, like, its arms wide open to him. Meanwhile, that so-called promised land, Canaan, it's basically a wasteland. Like, it's nothing but drought and death. I mean, it's a terrible place right now. So you would think, you would think that Jacob would be all about Egypt. He'd be pumped. But instead, he hesitates. And God has to tell him, Jacob, it's okay. Actually, it's interesting. Jacob's hope in this uh, promised land is so deep that his only request in all these last ten chapters, he gives a number of speeches, but his only request in all these chapters, it's not for food, it's not for flocks or herds or wealth or riches. Remember, Pharaoh is offering him all of that. Uh, But Jacob's only request, it comes in chapter 49, verse 29, where he asks his sons that they would bury him back in Canaan. In fact, at one point, he meets the Pharaoh himself. This is chapter 47. And, And I think it's so interesting. So when he meets Pharaoh, not once, but twice, Jacob refers to himself as a pilgrim. Like He keeps telling him he's on a pilgrimage, his family's on a pilgrimage, and he's telling Pharaoh, who is offering him this crazy wealth and land, he's saying, listen, Pharaoh, don't worry about me, man. I'm just traveling through. I'm a pilgrim. This is not my home. 
So you see what's happening. The whole book of Genesis has like been building on these promises. Like one after another, God has been fulfilling these promises. But then right at the end, there's like this detour. And the book ends with that one last promise unresolved. They're not in the promised land. Now, Jacob's sons, they don't seem to care, really. But Jacob could never let it go. Uh, Jacob's eye, it seemed, was always somewhere else. And in that way, Jacob reminds me a bit of some of the older members of our church. Okay, So it's not uncommon when I meet with them that I would say that they have their eye somewhere else. What I mean is, they like to talk about heaven. Now, I was thinking about it. You know, maybe they don't really talk about heaven that much, but for sure, they talk about heaven way more than almost anybody else I know. They're interested in heaven. They, they, they like to imagine what it will be like. In fact, some of them say things like, I'm ready to die. They say, you know, this world doesn't have much for me anymore. I'm ready to to be with Jesus. And now to some of us, that might sound kind of pathetic. Even a little tragic, right? It sounds like they've they've given up on life. This world world doesn't have much for you anymore? Like, let me introduce you to Netflix. I mean, let's let's get the Wi-Fi set up in here. We're going to hook you up with an Alexa, right? Like to some of us, this world is just like Egypt. It is offering the fat of the land. Like, whatever you want, you live in 2018. Just take it. And I was thinking that probably part of the reason I don't hear much talk about heaven is because I think probably a lot of us are really comfortable here on earth. Or maybe not. Maybe Maybe comfortable is not the right word. Because things aren't always so great around here. I read this week that one out of five kids in Michigan are what they call food insecure. Uh, That is, they're they're not sure where their next real meal is going to come from. It's one out of five in Michigan. uh, And the rate is even higher in our neighborhood. So it's probably not right that we are all really comfortable here on earth. Maybe it's more like we are all really distracted here on earth. Right? Netflix, cable news, smartphones, right? Who's got time to think about hungry kids when you've got another episode of Westworld to watch? Turn it on and just tune the world out. I wonder if in a way we're really like these brothers in Egypt. We've bought the hype. right? Never mind that people are starving around the world. Never mind the drought. We're in the United States of America. Go ahead. Live off the fat of the land. No land has ever been fatter. We all carry an all-inclusive in our pockets now. 
You can entertain yourself every minute. Never be bored again. Never mind the poverty over there. Don't pay any attention to your depressed neighbor or your anxious coworker. Turn on the screen and tune the world out. Oh, but before you turn all the way out, be sure to like some charities on your social media. After all, you don't want to look uncaring. So tell me, who is really living in the real world? Is it Jacob, restless, longing for the promised land? Or is it his sons, living it up, savoring all that Egypt has to offer? Well, if you know the rest of the story, if you know Exodus chapter 1, the first chapter of the next book, you know that within just a couple of generations, Joseph, who'd been this family's meal ticket, right? Joseph, Pharaoh's good buddy, Joseph would be forgotten by the Egyptians. And his family, you know what would happen to them, they'd become slaves in Egypt. Maybe a reminder that at some point, every all-inclusive comes to an end. I think, I think Google and Apple uh, are giving it their best shot, but I still believe that you can only distract yourself for so long before you realize that living off the fat of the land is a lot of hype, but not a lot of substance. If you want substance, talk to one of the older members of our church about heaven. When they start talking about eternal life and what makes a life worth living now, Netflix doesn't come up much. Bank balances don't come up much. Second homes don't come up much. You see, those with an eye to heaven tend to be less concerned with living an entertained and distracted life than they are with living a sacrificial and a substantial life. And I know it sounds weird to talk about the future like this, to talk about heaven in our culture today, right? Because our culture says, like, make me happy now. Distract me now. Entertain me now. I want to feel good now. But talk of heaven isn't just about now, right? It's about forever. Now that doesn't mean the world doesn't matter now. This world matters enormously. God cares passionately about this world right now, and so should we. But when we keep our eye on that future hope, we ought to be able to see through the hype and the half-truths of Egypt. We ought to be able to live as grounded people in the real world today. You know, I know at times we can convince ourselves that we are living off the fat of the land, that this is as good as it gets. But at some point, the battery dies, right? The screen goes dark. The resort asks for its room key back. 
And when that happens, and it always, it always happens, you need to ask, in what promises did you put your hope? Like, what defined the good life for you? Did you put your hope in God's promise of a true home forever, or did you put your hope in Pharaoh's promise of king crab and prime rib today? Dear friends, this world as it is, it's not our final destination. See, we who are in Christ look forward to a new heaven and a new earth. We look forward to life with Jesus in ways that we cannot yet know in our world today. It's going to be that good. In other words, our older folks are on to something. We ought to be a little unsettled here, a little uncomfortable here, a little dissatisfied here, because we are citizens of someplace else. But, while we are here, there's something that we do need to hear. This is where I want to end. Because that, this book of Genesis, if you've noticed, it is all about promises. It's about God's promises. And, and in our story today, God makes two new promises. It's really two, versions, two new versions of old promises. Um, but I think they're something we need to pay attention to. So it's during that speech in Beersheba. It's chapter 46. It's when Jacob hesitates at the border. And God tells him two things I want to point out. First, he tells him, Jacob, I will be with you in Egypt. In other words, this may not be your final home, but it's where I want you now. God says, I will be with you in Egypt. He's not afraid of Egypt. God's not out of his element in Egypt. He says, it may not be where you are ultimately meant to be, but I will be with you there anyway. And then second... He promises, I will bring you home again. And those two promises, that God would be with him in Egypt and that God would bring him home again, those promises sustained Jacob during what would end up being 15 years living amid the hype of Egypt before he died. And i got to tell you, I suspect that Jacob looked crazy to Pharaoh and to everyone else. It's like, dude, just enjoy Egypt. Like, what more do you need? Why are you always talking about Canaan? Look around. It is all here. But see, the promises of God changed Jacob. And I think those promises change us too. For one, we can be clear that being in the United States... Okay, so being in the middle of a culture of distraction and hype and wealth and false promises, that may be fine. Well, the, the culture's not fine, but living here may be fine. Because remember, God sent Jacob to Egypt. See, there's work to do wherever God calls you to go. But never forget that we live... And we wait for something that is so much better. People of God, don't buy the hype. I know Netflix is amazing. And uh, my smartphone is incredible. But never forget that the human heart can do better. 
We were made for more than just distraction. Listen to the older members of this church. Maybe, maybe they get it better uh, because they've seen everything this world has hyped become obsolete and fall apart. They know. Pharaoh will forget you. The resort will shut its doors on you. But the God of Jacob and the God of Creston Church is the God who has sent us to this place, who goes with us in this place. And he is the God who will bring us home again. All right, let's pray together.